All right. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. He is risen. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get some clapping or something up in there? Yeah. I love a good call and response. Nothing alienates a guest more than starting with a call and response that people don't know. I remember being at my first Easter services, and I hear the, he is risen. I get out the, he is risen indeed. I get, I get there just at the end. I don't know if some of you are that way, but we're so glad that you're here, whether you know the call and response, you know the words of the songs, or you're brand new, you're a guest here, you are welcome at this gathering. It's so nice to see so many of you in your Sunday best. I didn't know we do this in the Branches community, but I actually see some folks that are dressing up. I was going to wear uh, a black shirt, my, my uniform, essentially, and my wife said, you cannot do that on Easter Sunday. And uh, I saw some people in here with black, right? Can, can I get some representation here? And you guys are not protesting the resurrection of Jesus, right? But she made me wear white. I found the thing that was closest to white I could find. You know, with as many rugrats as I have, five of them, there isn't a white shirt without stains all over it. It's very difficult to find a white shirt. But here I am, and I'm done talking about me. What I want to do this morning is share with you the unvarnished gospel truth. Now, what that means, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that means I'm going to expound upon and expand something that you already claim to believe. Talking about the resurrection of Christ, sharing the gospel message. But for those of you who are guests here at this gathering this morning, I'm relating to you as somebody who's just taking the witness stand. I'm witnessing, I'm testifying to what the scriptures say about Jesus and what I've experienced for myself. And it's gospel truth I'm sharing. Gospel meaning good news. I'm sharing with you true good news. Now, there's a famous line in one of the gospels. It was a question of somebody that Jesus was before. It's a, it's a Roman governor in charge over sort of the sentencing of Jesus. When, when Jesus is standing before him, he actually asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? That question came as a response to a claim that Jesus made. It's recorded in John chapter 18. Jesus says, I came and I was born into this world that I might testify to the truth. He said, I came and I was born in this world to testify to the truth. Those on the side of truth, listen to me. He's establishing a couple of things here. For one, you may have heard that Jesus was born. He came to the world to go to the cross, to die, to be resurrected from the dead. He says here, I came into this world and I was born to tell you the truth, to speak truth, to testify to the truth. And then he establishes sort of this line in the sand. He says, here's this line in the sand. There's the side of truth and there's the side of falsehood. And I'm standing on the side of what's true. And all those who listen to me are standing with me on that side. I mean, my first question for you this morning is, are you listening to Jesus? Are you standing on the side of truth? You know, the response from the Roman governor for his part, you know, as cynical as he likely was, he's dealing with all the politics of Rome, of his superiors. He's in charge over this strange region of religious fanatics. And now he's mediating sort of this trial that Jesus is on as he's being accused of being a supposed revolutionary, he sort of just like scoffs at what Jesus said. He goes, what is truth? What is truth? 
Another way of phrasing that question, if we want to get to the spirit of what he said in the original language, is what is fact? What is fact versus fable? You know, what's reality versus an illusion? What's true? What is real after all? Well, let's have some real talk this morning. Are you guys okay with some real talk? We're going to talk reality. This isn't going to be your grandmother's Easter Sunday message, all right? I'll tell you that. No offense, grandmothers, because that phrase is wrong. Some of you grandmothers are the toughest people in your entire family. We're going to give it up right here. Yeah. We got some tough grandmas in the branches community, apparently. But let's get real. Let's deal with reality. I want you to, like, orient yourself. This is really happening right now. You are in these seats, and you are listening to me right now, most of you. And, and I, I think we've got to do that. We've got to start there. We've got to come into this present moment because that's something we struggle with as human beings, strange enough as it is. As many screens as we have today, phones and computers and TVs. We've actually developed a discipline to respond to what's happening to us. It's called mindfulness. People actually spend 15 minutes a day meditating just to remind themselves that they have a body. Like that's how dislocated and disconnected we are as people, that we've got to spend that extra time. So just orient yourself right now. Realize where you are. You're on earth. You're traveling 67,000 miles per hour around that beautiful glowing orb in the sky this morning. We're spinning at 733 miles per hour, rotating, which is maybe why I'm so dizzy this morning. I'm not sure if it's the stage or it's the fact that we're rotating. It's, it's almost unbelievable. I mean, if you hear that, to think about the reality that you're living in, it, it feels as if it's an illusion when you really consider how preposterous it is. You know, and a lot of people live that way, like life is an illusion, like it's just something out there that's not that real. They just relate to it as like, hey, let's live for the moment. Let's live for now. Let's live for today. They live as if life began when they were born and it'll be done when they're gone. And that's sort of it. There's nothing else beyond your individual life. A lot of us live like we're like the movie star of our own one man or one woman show, right? And we take center stage. And that's us, trapped in our minds, trapped in our hearts, our limited perspective. We think, man, I'm the center of this whole thing from your perspective. Well, there's 7 billion people in this world that feel exactly the same way. The, the thing that's an illusion, the thing that's a fable, is to take center stage. The reality is when we play back the movie that is all of history, maybe you could freeze frame it. Maybe you could stop it in a split second. You could look back at that table and say, I think that's the back of my head right there. And then you look a little closer and you say, actually, that's not me at all. I wasn't in this thing at all. That's kind of a bummer. The reality is, the truth is that you and I are extras. We're extras in a grand story that has been playing out for ages. You know, this was established in the scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was an origin. There was a beginning. That is fact. You know, scientists have traced the trajectory of all the objects that are out there in outer space, and they sort of reverse engineered the story of what's going on, and they pull it back to a single point. And that single point at the origin of the universe, all the matter, all the energy, everything that was there was in the size of something like the end of a pinprick or maybe the size of a soccer ball, 
and it was hit by this cosmic baseball bat or something and started inflating and spreading out to the furthest reaches of what we have now, and you're sitting on one of those shotgun shards. What in the world? It sounds like an illusion, but it's truth. It's fact. Even scientists found things that they maybe didn't want to discover that always this story has been playing out through the ages. It had its beginning in God. One major development in that bigger story I'm acknowledging, established in the Bible but validated by our human experience, is that this universe, as grand as it is, this creation, as amazing as it is outside right now, it's beautiful, it's cursed. It's cursed. The Apostle Paul, one of the first followers of Jesus, says this in the book of Romans. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He says it's been groaning. It's in pain. He says a few moments earlier in that same letter, this creation is chained. It's enslaved to a state of decay. You know, it took till the 19th century for human beings to establish terms and principles that the Bible revealed long ago. We figured out that, yeah, actually that's true. Everything is sort of in a state of decay. That everything in this universe is moving from a state of order to disorder. All the energy is sort of dissipating. It's this principle of entropy. And astrophysicists, we're talking reality. We're talking facts and truth that's established today. They have these apocalyptic visions of the future because of entropy. They say, look, you play this out over time. Oh, yeah, it was this mass uh, of energy. It exploded. We have the world as it is today. But the universe is actually continuing to accelerate and grow. And as it expands, it's actually cooling. And all the energy is dissipating. And eventually, there will be a moment in time in the future when every light goes out and all the energy ends up in this place of disorder where everything is dissipated into eternal nothingness. Neil deGrasse Tyson calls it the one-way trip. He says, guys, just accept it. We're all on a one-way trip. I don't know how you can smile and, and talk like lightly about something like that. That seems like kind of a heavy thing. You know, it, it's a little bit severe. And I think when you hear things like that about like the nature of where this universe is headed as we project it out of the future, we say, man, there is something deeply wrong. There's something amiss with where everything is headed. You know, it's not just these cosmic forces. It's something that we see in our own reality here in the world. From natural disasters to neurological disorders to the reality of death itself, the whole creation groans. It's in pain. Now, don't tell me all that pain is merely the result of some clerical errors on the part of evolution. Hey, we just mixed up a few genes here and there. Now, to say our excruciating suffering, our unimaginable losses, this future that we're destined for of ultimate darkness, to say that that's just the result of unfortunate consequences, that's an illusion. That's falsehood. This world is cursed. Now, the Bible establishes the reason for that curse in a reality that you and I can agree on. It says it in the Bible, but it's validated by our experience. This world is filled with sin and with sinners. You're all sinners. And right now, I just played into the stereotype every guest felt they would experience coming to church. I knew the guy would call me a sinner. 
Just face it, all right? Let's just talk real. Let's just be real about this. The reality of sin is it, it means to miss the mark, meaning God has a bullseye. He had, he had a direction for us, a standard, and I ended up over here. And that's the truth. Okay, I don't get any extra points for standing on a stage trying to sound eloquent as I talk about God. I don't see anything in Jesus' teachings that says, all right, you're over here, Andrew, but now you get to move this way five points. No, 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 no. The reality is, here's the mark, here's me, and here's you, and here's the person you came with. None of us have reached the standards. None of us have lived into the fullness of the principles. None of us have achieved the goals that God had for his creation. There are those of us who try and fail, and there are those of us who don't even try at all. Nobody's matching that mark. You know, human perfection is not something that exists. If you take, for example, the NBA, free throw shooters, the best we got, the closest we got to perfection was Steph Curry. He was shooting uh, from the free throw line. We got a fan right here, a little bit of a quiet fan, modest fan. <laughs> shooting 90.47% from the free throw line. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, I would say. Would you say it's pretty good? I'd say it's pretty good. I could do about one out of every 10, maybe two out of every 10, until I get warmed up, of course. <laughs> but, you know, th this is like the best he could do, the best we could do, and it's not perfection. And guess what? It's just throwing a ball through a basket without any defenders. When you say it like that, it doesn't sound too profound, right? When you dumb down any sport, they never sound profound. But what I'm trying to say is use that as a metaphor for life. What's our, what's our free throw percentage in life? If we can't get that right, putting a ball through a basket, what about all the decisions that we're making every single day? How many shots have we missed? Many, I'm sure. Maybe especially among those who don't even believe there's a basket to shoot in at all. Some of you don't even believe in any standards of God whatsoever, and that's why we have sort of the chaos of the world that we have. You know, things are just flying everywhere, right? People are just living however they want to live. Some are just shooting it behind their back. In what direction? Some are doing the granny shot. I'm sorry, grannies. I didn't realize that that would be the second time I played to a stereotype, and from this moment forward, I'm going to defend your honor. All right? I'm going to change my ways. But that's the reality. Everyone going their different directions. Everyone doing whatever they think is appropriate. The writer of Proverbs says this in chapter 20, verse 9. Who can say? Who of you can say? Anyone in here? Can you say, I've kept my heart pure. I am clean and without sin. Can any of you say that you've, you've, hit, you've hit the goals? You've lived in the fullness that God created you for. I kept my heart pure. I'm clean and without sin. No, the conclusion is there in the book of Ecclesiastes. Indeed, there is no one on earth who's righteous. No one who has done what is right and never sins. There's not one of us that reaches the standards of God. And that was the origin of the curse that was on this creation. That's what the Bible says. That from the very beginning, humanity said, Okay, God, there's your standards, and I'm going to create my own standards. I'm going to go my own direction. I'm going to invent the meaning of life according to my own meaning. Oh, your vision for morality, I've got a different vision for morality. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to say this is right and this is wrong. I'm going to live independent from you. And the prophet Isaiah laments, he says, all of us have become like one who's unclean, and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Apart from God, the best that we could invent for ourselves, the best that we could do isn't even close to the glory that God intends for us. 
This is filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the, like the wind, our sins sweep us away. This is what's happened in creation. This is what's happened in our lives. If you take a leaf and you break it off from a branch and you watch what happens, it withers. That's the same thing that happens when you divorce the creation from the creator. When you remove creation from its creator, it withers just like a leaf that's been pulled off from a branch. That's what happens when your life and when my life is removed from our creator. From a spiritual perspective, we wither and we die. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away, one this way, one that way. Everyone's sort of living as they did in the times of the book of Judges, when there was no king in the land and everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. You know what kind of world we get when everyone lives and does whatever is right in their own eyes? Well, you get exactly the sort of world that we're living in, a world of increasing division and hostility. Never in my life have I lived at a time where there were more nations who were more hostile against us and had more animosity toward us. It just seems like every year, I don't know if you guys think differently, the list gets longer and the hostility gets stronger. But I think what we've realized in the last several years is that hostility and that division isn't just something that exists across an ocean. It's something that exists in our own backyard. I've never lived in a time where these United States could more aptly be called the divided states of America. That's truth. That's reality. Now, what is truth? That's the question we started with. I've shared it with you. Established in the Bible thousands of years before you and I even took our first breath. Is that amazing? But now it's been validated by our experience. Everything that I've declared. This is a grand story that we're in. But it's a cursed world that we're living on because of sin and division. It's funny that some people think you go to church and you get doped up on these drugs. Like I'm here to drug you and make you just live into these fables and fantasies that just give you a bunch of feelings of positivity for your day. Haven't I proven them wrong? I've done quite the opposite this morning, I would contest. That I'm, the, I'm giving you the furthest thing from the opiate for the people, right? I'm sobering you up this morning is what I'm doing with the truth. Some people think, oh, people just go to church to get entertained with the Easter song and dance. My wife is very generous. She thinks I can sing a little. She thinks I can dance a little. But I don't have a song and dance for you guys this morning. I just want to engage you with the truth to awaken you to the reality that sometimes you spend a lot of energy ignoring. Jesus said, this is the reason I was born and I came into the world to tell the truth, to deal with reality, to face you with what is actually real. And those who are on the side of truth, they listen to me. Have you been listening to Jesus? Now, I know what some of you are wondering. I'm listening, but where's the good? Where's the good truth? Where's the good news? Where's the gospel in this message? Because all I've done is establish sort of the gritty reality of our world. But you've got to do that. You've got to understand that Jesus came and he was born into that world. 
He came to address that reality. Every reality that I've established that is so difficult to come to grips with is the very reality that Jesus came to face when he was born into this world, when he came into this world. Because who could heal the division that exists here? Who could take your agenda and my agenda and your agenda and find some way to bring them all together? I mean, who could take this nation and that warring nation and unite them again? When we're talking unity, you have to have something that takes preeminence, something that takes that chief place above all the divisions, above all the differences that we have. And we've got to unite around that thing. Who could pull together every tribe, tongue, and nation in this world, as the Bible says is going to happen, save for our creator, the one who made us? Man, he can call upon everyone that he has made and bring them together. That was the purpose that God had in sending Jesus. It says so in the book of Colossians. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us this mystery of his will. This is the will of God in sending his son Jesus Verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And how could he heal humanity? How could he do away with those hostilities, those broken relationships, the broken marriages, the splintered souls of individuals, the result of everyone doing what is right in their own eyes and making a real mess of society? Who could pardon everyone for their spiritual indebtedness, for their crimes against God and against their fellow human beings. Well, Jesus was sent to atone for those very things upon the cross. Second Corinthians, God made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, who matched the mark, who matched the standards. He made him to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus on the cross served the sentence for humanity. By paying the debts of our wrongdoing, his grace triumphed over that division that we had with him and our division with one another. Because if God has forgiven my debts through Jesus and God has forgiven your debts through Jesus, then how can I hold your feet to the fire? There's no longer any reason for division among us. Grace and mercy triumphed over sin when Jesus was born and came into this world. You see, he took the uncleanness of our souls upon himself to regather us. All those people that were scattered in the wind, all those leaves. He said, I've come to regather them. I've come to reattach those leaves to the branch, or rather that branch to the true vine. For who has the power to undo the curse that's upon this creation? Who can say, I'm going to reverse the order I'm going to create order out of everything that's being disordered. I'm going to take the unimaginable human suffering. I'm going to take the growing anxiety that exists in the modern mind. I'm going to take this dark universe of hurtling debris, and I'm going to lead it into glory. Who could tell you that all the pains that you've gone through and will go through are on the way to a greater glory that you're going to experience? If someone said that to you, it's an insult. Who could say that to you except your creator? Who could say that the pain of this world is actually the pains of childbirth? That it's these reverberations that are going to lead to a life that comes after. Who could take this spaceship Earth that's on a one-way journey into eternal darkness and actually re-guide it back into eternal life? Who could do that for you? Elon Musk? He could take us to Mars, but I don't think we're going to be safe on Mars either. 
You know, who is it? Who could do this for you? You know who's really influential in Huntington Beach? Joe Rogan. Is he going to help you? Is he going to be the next goofball politician? Is he going to hold your DNA together when it's splitting apart? Is he going to reanimate your energy when it fully dissipates? No, it is only God. Jesus proved when he was resurrected from the dead that the God who can hold all the matter and energy in the universe in the palm of his hand is the same one who can bring life back from the dead. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Jesus stands on the side of truth, and he's speaking truth, reality, And he's calling out to every single one of us. And he says, I'm not just standing on the side of truth. I'm standing on the side of life. And anyone who listens to me, who comes over to this side with me, there will be no judgment because it's been satisfied on the cross. And you will experience eternal life. Are you listening? Are you coming across that line to stand with him? You know, to try to live, to try to solve all our human problems that I've laid out today, to try to conceive of a future without Jesus, to me, that's truly imaginary. That's living in a state of being in an illusion. That's the biggest lie there is. What is reality? There is none but Jesus. There will be no reality without Jesus. You and I will cease to be without Jesus. He's the only true thing. That's a fact. But it's not the empty facts. It's the gospel truth. It's the good news. Because God so loved this world, God so loved you and I, that he didn't just create your life, but he made a way to sustain it through faith in Jesus. You know, a lot of us try to live like the star of our own movie, And doing so, we end up sort of just the extra in this grand story that's playing out around us. We live in this illusion. It's incredible to think that God doesn't need you to be a star. That's been established. But he doesn't treat you like an extra either. He says, come to me, and I will call you my child, and you'll be joined to my family of eternal light forevermore. I want to give the opportunity for those of you who've never made that decision to step across that line, to respond to the truth, the reality of what Jesus is sharing with us through his word, to join with him and receive those promises. I'm telling you, the truth, the reality is, apart from him, there's no life. Like that branch Broken off from the root system, like that leaf broken off from the branch, it withers on its own. And if you take this opportunity and you hear the words that are being spoken and you walk away and you go back to life as it was, the truth, the future, the reality, it's certain. It's certain. There is no life in it. If you walk away from this and you go back to just the illusion 
Say, oh, the church is filled with fables and illusions. The church is filled with truth. The church is filled with reality. What's actually going on? What's actually going to happen? You go away and you just live to be your own story, disconnected from all of it? What's the illusion? What's the fable? Now, now is the time to come to grips with reality, with the truth. You have a creator and he's made a way for you to return to him and experience spiritual life. It's the same thing even if you place your faith in Jesus in the past, but you've been separate. You'll start to feel that life just depleted from you continuously over and over and over again. And Jesus is calling to you just the same. Be rejoined to me. For so many people, Easter is their one gathering a year where they're going to hear the truth of Jesus spoken to them. Christ says, I'm always speaking truth. Do you want to stand with me and hear it continually as I nourish your soul, as I keep you grounded in what's real, not in what's false? If you want to make that decision, I'm going to give us some time here. Would you pray with me? Maybe you want to bow your heads. Maybe you want to close your eyes. You don't have to. You can have your eyes open. You can have your head held high. The Lord can hear you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows you better than you know yourself. If you would say, I'm that person. I haven't been listening to the voice of my creator. I haven't been listening to the truth Jesus has been speaking, but I want to. And I want to come to grips with reality. I want to step out of this illusion that I've been living for myself, doing what's right in my own eyes, just going my own way. I want to be reconnected to the vine. I want to be that leaf attached to the branch again. I want to come to life. If you want to commit your life to God, to Christ, and receive the promise that he gave to us, whoever believes in me, They won't perish. They'll have eternal life. Judgment will pass over them. If you want to receive that for the first time or you want to receive that afresh, just offer your heart to the Lord this morning. It doesn't have to be the perfect words. The Lord knows we missed the mark. There isn't anything that you could do. You don't need to come in here and say, all right, let me get my life together. Let me hit the mark and then I can be part of these promises. No. God knew that we could never hit the mark, so he said, I'll just take your trust. I'll just take your faith because that's the most you can give and I'll give in exchange for that. Eternal life with me, my very spirit to dwell in you. So if you want to make that confession of faith, if you want to step over that line, if you want to stand with Jesus, maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. I want to ask you in this posture of prayer, would you do something very simple? Would you just raise your hand where you are so that I can pray for you? And keep it raised. There's no reason to lower it. This is a moment. This is a chance. The line is there. The opportunity is there. And it could pass us by and we could go back to whatever life we were living. This is a chance to respond to the prompting of God in your heart. If you want to respond, would you raise your hand?
want to pray for you. Those who raise their hands, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we know in your grace and in your goodness, you receive all those whose hearts are humble and earnest before you. God, you've been calling out. You've been speaking truth. You've been calling others to yourself. Lord, where you stand is where there is reality. Where there is the promise of life evermore, apart from you, there is only an illusion. So, Lord, would you receive those who committed their hearts to you? Would they know that they've passed from death to life, not because of themselves, but because of what you've done and because of your promise to them? Lord, I pray even for those who maybe they didn't feel confident enough to raise their hand. It's a decision they're just making in their heart right now, Lord. They don't need to raise their hand in this gathering to make that decision, Lord. You see them. You know them. When they go home, Lord, would they, everyone in here, all of us, would we be hungry for your truth, hungry for your voice, Lord? Would we find ourselves in the scriptures? Would we find ourselves in prayer, Lord? Would we gather with our brothers and sisters to hear your truth, Lord? Would you invigorate our souls? Would you reverse that curse, that sting of death that's upon us as Lord? We come into alignment with your plans, your purpose, your vision for our lives. Lord, as we step into the reality of what you're doing all through history, what you're doing all into eternity, Lord, make us come alive. Make your church come alive as we ground ourselves in you. As we, like branches, are attached to the true vine. Thank you, Lord, for those who made commitments this morning. Would you honor those? Would you enliven them? Bring to them the resurrection life, the power that raised you, Jesus, from the dead. Would it be at work in them as you promise in the scriptures? And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate the decisions that have been made, the work that the Lord is doing in people's hearts? I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close out our time with just a couple songs. As we're singing, these aren't just songs. These aren't just words that we're throwing off into the air. This is reality that we're singing about. This is truth that we're singing and declaring together. So let's declare it with the fullness of our hearts.